This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And on this Monday's show, we'll have, of course, a recap of what took place in Houston on Saturday with the football team. We've also got some thrilling highlights from a Friday night victory for men's soccer where they stand heading into the last day of the regular season, which is coming up Wednesday, where the women's soccer team stands as far as knowing its opponent for the following day in Orlando for the semifinals of the conference tournament. And what a win for volleyball on Sunday after a disappointing loss on Friday night. Jolene Shepardson's team picks up win number two in conference play and now comes home for four in a row. We are going to have quite the week, quite the eventful week of play-by-play for you. Don't forget, we've also got, as we are a week away from the start of the regular season in basketball, plenty more of my interviews with the individuals from the photo sheet. It's been a couple weeks. The photo shoot, it's been a couple weeks since we've had any of those, but that was intentional. We wanted to store most of them for this week and get you set for the season. Until then, I said it's going to be busy. Tuesday night, we've got live exhibition men's basketball bowls hosting UT. Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston are back. They'll have the call for you on Tuesday. No pregame show for that, by the way. It's just an exhibition. We're going to get right to it. Then on Wednesday, I'll be in Orlando for that men's soccer match against UCF. Also Wednesday, before that, the new football radio show with Jeff Scott. Boy, Wednesday's going to be busy. And then Thursday, the women's soccer team playing in the AAC semis in the afternoon. Friday night, volleyball from the Yingling Center. Saturday, football on the road at Temple. And Sunday could be a very busy day. We'll hint at that in just a little bit. First, some highlights from the football game. The team loses to Houston 42-27. The big question, right, was Trey Marsh. How would he look? I think he looked great. I think the offense was fine, as you know. But the defense just could not slow down Clayton Toon and the Houston team that was Let's remind you, pick to win the American Athletic Conference. That just wasn't done for no reason. It was done because they have a bunch of dangerous weapons. And the Bulls, even though they were at relatively full strength in the secondary, could not contain them. In fact, I'll start off with a highlight. The Bulls gave up four touchdowns in the first half. This was the only stop, and it did not seem like a stop on the second drive of the game. Third down and 12. Houston is nearly 50% on third downs this year. They're coming after Toon. He steps up, now throws on the run. It's caught, and they've got the first down out beyond the 35-yard line. Samuel Brown with his first catch of the day, and the Bulls give up a third and 12 conversion. No, they don't. They marked him short, put it on the 34, and that took everybody by surprise. Houston had the offense out there. They realized it was fourth and one. And here comes the punt team. Yeah, I mean, it, it took me by surprise as well. Even though it didn't feel like a conventional stop, hey, the Bulls took full advantage in and around that. They, as I said, took advantage by scoring twice. Here are some of the big plays. Here's Batty trying the right side. He breaks into the secondary to the 30 to the 20 and finally down after a long run into Houston territory. Brian Betty is going to get about 37 on that run. First and 10 South Florida on the Houston 18. Yeah, and, and Betty made a few guys miss in the open field. 
But what I enjoyed about that play, Weaver ran from the other side of the field with so much speed just to get in front of Batie and give him a block. Three wide receivers bunched up short side left. Here's Batie. He runs it up the middle into the end zone. Touchdown. Brian Batie with the Bulls' first score of the day. They're down one with the extra point coming. Jim, Brian Batie is running with so much confidence, right? He knows where he's going. Before the play developed, he already makes his cut, gets into the right gap, and gets vertical quicker than many guys that I've seen this season. Here is Marshawn first down. Got Weaver open, and Weaver crosses the 50. Pushed out of bounds near the 46-yard line of Houston, and that's going to be a huge gain for the Bulls, 30 yards. Hand off Batie. He gets the left edge. Will go into the end zone for a touchdown. Brian Batie has put the Bulls ahead. He went around the left side, looked like he was heading out of bounds, made a great cut back into the field to play, and nobody touched him. And Batie puts USF up 13-7. to I think my favorite thing about that play, Jim, at the end of the play, there was a defender who was pursuing Batie, and he made such a quick move, the guy just gave up and just kind of shook his head. And off to the races we were. This had the feel of a back-and-forth shootout type of game, but as I said on the air, it was all fourth the rest of the way. The thing that you just can't overlook is how easily Houston answered on the next drive after the Bulls took the lead. They strolled down the field. Receivers were coming wide open way too often in this one. Matter of fact, Houston did not face a third down on the next drive, and the longest second down was second and five. But then the Bulls immediately looked like they were going to go back and take the lead. Jimmy Horn had a foul committed on him. Houston was definitely reverting back to the penalty-prone Houston Cougars at the beginning of the season. If you didn't know their first four games... They committed between 9 and 11 penalties, twice for triple digits, and they were helping out. Then another big pass play to Jimmy Horn, 29 yards. But on third and seven, they call for Kelly Joyner up the middle. Frankly, those plays were working, and maybe you either pop the first down or get close to where you can go for it on fourth, but on fourth and five, Spencer Schrader only 31 yards, and he pushes it wide right. I didn't think that the miss of three points was going to, in the end, really make much of a difference the way it was going. And unfortunately, I was right because Houston again went down the field. Now, they did face a couple of third downs on the next drive, but they were both third and shorts. And then a wide open Tank Dell, their standout receiver, Nathaniel Dell for 52 yards, 21-14 Houston. Then kind of a key sequence because at that time, it was still a ball game, 10 minutes to go in the first half. The Bulls get to... The Houston 33, they go forward on fourth and nine to the Bulls. The Cougars get good pressure on Marsh, and that was a key. Anytime the Bulls had a fourth down play, and they went for it several times in this game, it was a lot of pressure. The Bulls could not reciprocate on key third down plays on the other side. Marsh had to rush his throw just a little bit, but Weaver was wide open. Got to hit him, couldn't hit him. Then Houston responds, essentially taking up the rest of the half. They take over with about seven minutes to go. Again, barely facing third downs, and when they did, it was third and two, it was third and three. One of those after a second and 20, helped out again by a penalty where Houston takes a touchdown off the board. Later on, when they get down inside the Bulls' three-yard line, 
just an absolutely inexplicable penalty. One of their offensive linemen decided to kick one of the Bulls players. So it was second and goal at the 19. And third and goal at the 12, you think you're in a good spot. Now, I said they didn't get much pressure. They did in this play. And the other quarterback just made a nice throw. Three wide receivers left. Toon looking that way. Has time. Now throws under pressure. Sawyer caught. Touchdown. Over the outstretched reach of Christian Williams. And Houston scores in the final minute of the first half. And with knowing that Houston was going to get the ball to start the second half, he didn't have a good feeling at that time. Houston was able to throw for 257 in the first half to 19 of 23 and three touchdowns. Marsh, 9 for 14, 126 yards. Brian Petty, 91 yards on the ground, even three receptions out of the backfield for 44 yards, as I said. Had a fourth down conversion, middle of the field. That probably helps lead to more points. You miss a short field goal. So the offense was productive, but the defense just couldn't keep up. Having said that, Houston comes out, and the Bulls get off the field quickly. They get a nice tackle from Dwayne Boyles on a third and three run play, and then the Bulls get back in the game immediately. Weaver, the only wide receiver. Bulls are loaded up with tight ends. They give it to Dukes, and he has the score. Michael Dukes from one yard out ran it right up the middle. And has that been missing from the Bulls' arsenal as far as the one-yard run up the middle? Because no Jaron Mangum. That was a key moment, 28-21. But just like after the Bulls went ahead 21-14 in the first half, and you think, okay, tipping point in the game, maybe you can build on. Unfortunately, again, a very quick answer for Houston. And again, no third downs faced on the next drive. And it was 35-21. Bulls couldn't score on their next drive. And that was pretty much that, 42-27. The final score, Bulls do get a nice completion from Marsh to Amarian Dollison for 40 yards. And Chris Carter catches a touchdown pass with about a minute to go, which was nice to see. But, you know, it would have been nice to see other things in the game. And you know that Jeff Scott will face up to that, as he did off the field with Joey Johnston. Jeff Scott, obviously you played a great offense today, but you had trouble getting them off the field. What would you say about your defense today? Yeah, obviously uh, didn't make enough stops. Uh, you know, that was really just the story of the game. They really uh, did what they wanted to through the air. Um, you know, you got to give them credit. Really good quarterback, uh, very experienced. And uh, we just couldn't get enough pressure on him and gave him too much time back there. Moving forward, is there anything you can do personnel-wise? I know you've got injuries to kind of change things up on yeah. defense. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. We're, we're playing with the best that we have, and uh, we we got to coach them better, and uh, we got to go out and play better. Everybody want to know how Travis Marsh uh, would perform today. How do you think he did? Yeah, well, obviously we came here to win, and we didn't win. Uh, but I thought he did for his first start uh, against a really good defense. Uh, he did a lot of good things. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll get better uh, after this video uh, as he gets ready for next week. I have to think Brian Batie may be your MVP so far. Another great 100-yard rushing game. Just speak about what Batie has given you this year. Yeah, he, he competes. Uh, you know, he's a competitor, uh, really athletic, uh, you know, makes a lot of plays for us. And, uh, you know, he's been one of the, the uh, bright spots for us so far. What do you tell your team now to encourage them to get moving on to, to Temple next week? Uh, we just got to go back and go back to work. That's all we can do. And I uh, got to put our eyes forward and, and get ready for Temple. You'll get more of the coach on tomorrow's press conference at is scheduled for a little bit before noon. We always stream it for you live on USF Bulls Unlimited. The football radio show will be Wednesday as well. The final numbers for Tune, 31 of 37 for 380 yards and four scores. Now, they didn't have the bulk yards on the ground that they've had against the Bulls recently, so that was somewhat of a positive. The 
fact that they didn't go over 50 points was also, I wouldn't call it a feather, but at least that ended that streak because it had been three games in a row against the Bulls that Houston went for 50-plus. Again, the final 42-27 Batty. 106 yards and just 12 carries. Turns out he was a little bit hobbled in the second half. That's why he didn't get more chances. Trey Marsh, 24 of 34 for 275. Xavier Weaver, again, great. Seven catches for 84 yards. Batty, Horn, and Kelly Joyner all grabbed four passes each. Because of that late touchdown drive, the total yards seemed a little bit closer, 490 to 429. Mentioned the pressure. Houston got three sacks. You know, Gary Bohannon was pretty good about not taking them, but That's a good defensive line, and two of those sacks came on fourth down attempts in the second half as the Bulls were not just going to punt the ball away. In fact, they were one of four on fourth downs. Talked about the drives where Houston hardly faced third down, and when it did, it was a short yardage situation. Seven for 11. Penalties, though, 10 for 95 committed by Houston. Just one penalty against the Bulls. So they did some good things, but the defense couldn't stop the man who I'm guessing may be the American Athletic Conference Offensive Player of the Week. What a weekend of games with UCF beating Cincinnati. Friday night, East Carolina against BYU. By the way, the next opponent for the Bulls, Temple, gave Navy a push but lost 27-20. to We will recap all the games on a separate 15-minute Around the American. That will be scheduled for later on on Monday. Now, though, on Bulls Beat, a couple of decent goals for the men's soccer team. You'll hear my calls. You've probably seen them. Hopefully you have on Twitter. But how did it sound on Bulls Unlimited? Also, what does it do for the Bulls in the standings heading into the last week of the regular season? The men's soccer team will be playing in Orlando Wednesday night. The women will be playing the next afternoon. We can tell you who their semifinal opponent is. A little bit more about that. And volleyball, what a nice way to come back home with a victory in Tulsa on Sunday. Details when we continue on Bulls Beat. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. So we had the football action for you on Saturday, Friday night. Kicked things off in a good way as the soccer team got to 500 overall. Yeah, their overall record is going to be fine. Not great. But their conference record, well... It could be the best in the league when it's all said and done. 2 nothing win against Memphis on Friday night. We told you the Bulls needed to win in order to clinch a spot in the conference tournament. A tie could have done the trick. In fact, they didn't even have to win if other results went their way. Well, it turned out those other results did go their way. They were going to be in the conference tournament field no matter what, which, as if you're just kind of catching up, we've been saying is in itself impressive because... The American Athletic Conference is the number three conference in the entire country when it comes to Division I men's soccer. And again, there have been teams, six of them, either currently in the top 25, recently in the top 25, and the Bulls weren't one of them. So to crack that top six was going to be an accomplishment. Well, they could crack the top one. They, If they win their last game, will guarantee be finished in the top three. We'll get into that part of it here in just a second. Oh, by the way, the rankings, the NCAA Division I Soccer Committee on Friday came out with the, and they started doing this for women's basketball and other sports, you know, the midseason seedings, not that they're going to hold through the end of the season, but just to give you an idea of what's what, and two teams from the American, including one the Bulls beat, Tulsa, were in the top 10, Tulsa 7, SMU 10. So again, a very strong conference. Memphis was ranked based on a 
series of big results early in the year, including a win against SMU. But recently, they had gone through a stretch of six games with only one win until they had beaten FAU the other night two to nothing. Turns out, you know, you look at some of their games, they get outshot in a lot of them, but then they find a way to get a result late. Well, this was going along those lines as the Bulls were vastly outshooting the Tigers. Try 11 to nothing, but they were spraying some good opportunities over the goal there. Keeper for the Tigers, Colin Welsh, very solid, but they didn't really test him too greatly, even though they were dominating play, and that was important to note. But what you're worried about is that maybe Memphis would grab a counterattack, which is how they get a lot of their goals. And, well, bite your nail time if that happens. Or you can just produce the two most spectacular goals of the season, as the Bulls did. Here's how the scoring started. I believe this is the first corner of the half. They were up 4-3 at halftime. Yes, indeed, this is their first of the half. Memphis has a couple. 20-20 left. Let's hope the eyes see a goal here for the Bulls. It'll be JT Copper, who... <laughs> Where's number 20? I'm starting to build a theme here. Whips in the corner kick, and it's headed away by Memphis. So much for my theme. Spengler has it, top of the box. Copper with a little juke move to get the ball played onto him. Curls it in. Oh, a bicycle kick in! Goal of the year! Goal of the century! Alfred Perez! Unbelievable! Well... The breakthrough just happened. That's not the way you would have expected it. Unreal. Copper, as I said, did a nice job. Perez was facing away from the goal. He chested it away from the goal and got on the bike. My goodness, it's one nothing Bulls. Brian Schaefer had a bicycle kick score here a couple weeks back against FIU. Sorry, Brian, you've just been topped. I mean, he did that like he's practiced it. How'd he practice it? Let's hear from Alfred himself. It was it was just, you know, impulsive. It just came to me and, and I tried to do the best I could with it. And yeah, happy I was able to, you know, put on a show for the fans and, and give them, you know, their money's worth. That's what I try to do and I'm happy I was able to do that. It was the number two play of the day on SportsCenter. If you haven't seen it, come on, get to the USF men's soccer Twitter page, at USFMSOC. In fact, I'm going to play Ryan Urquhart and Alan Anderson's call, which is phenomenal. I want you to listen closely for something that was said right before he gets off the shot, and if you don't hear it, we'll explain after. Hops out to USF. Good ball. Service to the 18. A brilliant goal. What a finish. What a goal that is. Bulls finally break through with a bicycle kick goal. Perez with some brilliant skill, and that's sometimes what it takes, isn't it? You know, you look at the game, sometimes it's a mistake, other times it's just sheer individual brilliance, and that's what that was. Again, great call, but did you catch it? Did you catch it? You actually, first of all, you hear, I believe it's Bob Uthorn, I'll try and confirm if it's not, it's one of his assistants, kind of just guiding JT Copper for the pass. They say, good ball. But then after, listen closely, after Ryan says service, the next two words you hear, and I believe they're the voice of head coach Bob Uthorn, bike it, like they see it coming. Good ball. Service. Again, second time they've biked it this year. Recently, Brian Schaefer did so against FIU. Any concerns about Memphis getting an equalizer? And they've done that before in games this year. Late equalizers, late tying goals. They had scored with 27 seconds left to tie 10th-ranked Lipscomb. 
again, the NCAA seedings came out, and Lipscomb, a team that Memphis recently tied, was 10th. So this was a team that you hadn't put away just yet. This is called a put-away goal. On senior night, for a guy who'd never scored, phenomenal. Cleared away, Spengler, that's Checho with a blast and a goal! Are you kidding me? I hope nobody heard earlier when I said that he wasn't much of a goal scorer. I didn't say that. It's two to nothing. Golasso's only tonight for the Bulls. The senior gathered the ball 35 yards from goal, took one dribble, and from beyond 25, ripped it. I mean to tell you, highlight real stuff tonight. Now, I'm not gonna say that beats the bicycle kick, but it beats most of what you would see. It just took the nastiest dip. His first career goal. I think he's gonna remember that one. I just saw the ball coming straight out. I took a touch, I looked up and there was space and I just, you know, I saw the goal, I shot it, you know. Very humbly in a situation where he could have really gone on and on about himself on that goal because it was that good. Also great, the replay, the video replay, you can see Oscar Rosano like go down to his knees and put his head in his hands because that's how much it meant to him to see his buddy score a goal like that on senior night. And it was alumni night, so you see a lot of the former recent Bulls players jumping into the berm there and congratulating Checho because they were his teammates. Ayo, Avion Flanagan, was the first guy to greet Alfred Perez after the bicycle kick. It was that special of a night. And even though the Bulls were in control at the first half, here's a little bit of Coach Bob Butehorn. How they drew it up? No? You think about a storybook ending for some of those guys, especially Checho. I mean, the kid's just, he's just one of the best human beings you meet, and he gets a goal like that to finish it off. I didn't, I didn't script that one. That's it's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, it, after a four-year period of these kids, COVID, all that stuff, it's just good to get a win, but also kind of exciting to have those type of finishes. Well, I, so I told him, I said, do you have control of the game, and now it's your, the focus is staying disciplined in that control and making sure we don't get any chances know that they're going to come with some kind of momentum and try to change things, but stay focused on what you're trying to do and know one will come. And, uh, and then we had kind of ideas how we would break them down. And, and sure enough, I didn't say, hey, let's get a bicycle kick and a 30-yard bomb, but you know, <laughs> it, it just happened. Yeah, remember when they had problems scoring, as in they didn't score a goal in their first four games? Well, in their last 10, they have scored in every single game. They have not been shut out. They've scored at least twice in all but two of them. They ended up out shooting Memphis, by the way, 20-6 to in that game. And what does it mean? Where are the Bulls in the standings? They are in technically fourth place, but they're one point out of first place. That's because SMU was stunned by FAU. Oh, yeah, speaking of remembering back, remember when we were not satisfied and neither was the head coach with the 1-1 tie at FAU that started off conference play, and that was because, hey, you could see the Tougher teams on the horizon, you got to get the wins when you're especially leading the teams that you expect to finish at the bottom of the standings and ended up being 1-1 at FAU. That FAU team's doing okay. They beat SMU the other night, and they, the Owls, are in the top six themselves. Right now, two teams that are not in the top six are recent number 12 team in the country, Charlotte, and UCF. Now here's how the standings look and how they got there with the full Friday night details we'll do on Around the American, but just what you need to know about the Bulls is yes, they're in fourth place, but they're only a point behind Tulsa and FIU. 
They both have 16 points. FIU technically in first because it beat Tulsa. Then a point behind are both the Bulls and SMU. Technically, Bulls are in fourth because they lost to SMU. After that, it's Memphis with 13 points, and then FAU in the sixth spot with 11 points. With UCF and Charlotte both losing Friday, Memphis actually clinched a spot in the AAC tourney, and they would still be able to jump the Bulls. So Bulls haven't wrapped up anything yet as far as hosting a first-round game. But we do know this. If they beat UCF for sure, the Bulls will finish in the top three. Top two means a first-round bye. Third seed means you're hosting a first-round game next Sunday. Again, if the Bulls win, they will be at worst a third seed. If you want to know how do they get to be the regular season champion of the American, they need two other results to happen exactly this way. Basically, FIU can't win, and FIU is playing FAU, so that's not out of the question the way the Owls are going. And they also need SMU and Tulsa to tie, because if there's a winner in that game, that winner will finish ahead of the Bulls. So beat UCF, have FAU at least tie FIU, and then the tricky one, you have to have SMU and Tulsa tie each other. But hey, crazier things have happened. If one of those other two things happen instead of both of them, the Bulls would still be the two seed and get a first round bye. It's quite simply an incredible story. And I know a lot of people just focus on football and things are not going well and people love to be negative on Twitter. But folks, there's a lot to be positive about. And that's why we cover all the sports here on USF Bulls Unlimited. And we'll be there in Orlando Thursday afternoon. The women's soccer team got the first round by as the two seed and will play the six seed, SMU. Went to Cincinnati and knocked off the Bearcats 1-0. Cannot call it an upset. SMU is a good team. And we'll talk more about it as we get further in the week. The other semifinal, the expected matchup between UCF and Memphis. Again, the AAC first round was Sunday. We'll talk more about that on Around the American. And what a win for volleyball. Frankly, after what happened on Friday night, it just didn't look good. They got beat, did the Bulls, by Wichita State 25-15, 25-19. And the third set was 25-7, which is the equivalent to, you know, losing a set in tennis 6-0, just not competitive. No Bull had double figures in kills, and that was Maria Andrade, and she had seven kills with six errors. Another Bull, Marta Svitkovic, six kills but six errors. The Bulls only had three more kills than errors while the opponent hit 353. So how do you try and shake that off at Tulsa on Sunday? They did it. They swept the Golden Hurricane. Bulls are 2-8 and eight in the conference, but feeling good after that result, trust me. 25-20, 25-16, 25-22. Andrade led the way, 17 kills and only four errors. That's a 361 percentage. Amanda DeWitt, 14 kills, only two errors. That's hitting 400. That will hunt, and congratulations to the Bulls. They're back home against Memphis on Friday night at the Yingling Center. Obviously, we'll talk more about that as we get closer to it. Oh, yeah, I mentioned it could be a busy Sunday. We know for sure that volleyball will be playing again at the Yingling Center at noon. That'll be against a very good SMU team. If women's soccer wins Thursday, the AAC championship game is Sunday afternoon in Orlando. If that's the case, I will be headed back over for that, no doubt. And we could have a third match on Sunday. That's if the men's soccer team finishes as the three or the four seed. We just told you about if they win, they'll be no worse than the three. If they tie, they'll be the fourth seed. We can tell you that for sure and would be at home for a first-round conference tournament match. And side note, if they tie UCF or beat them, of course, the Knights season would end. But anyway, talking about USF here, if there are three games on Sunday, we already have Kevin Erlinson who did a great job 
filling in for me a couple weeks back with the call of the women's match against Temple. He is on hot standby in case there's a home men's AAC tourney match, and Jim Lauk is ready to call that volleyball. So we got it all covered for you. We love talking about it as well here on Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. That wraps up the Monday show. I'm Derek Sharp.